Welcome to 12 Questions. This is Anna Valenzuela, and I'm so grateful to be here, and I'm really grateful to introduce my co-host, Mr. Dave Yates. Well, hello, everybody. Good to be in the Zoom room. Dun-dun. What are you grateful for today, man? Uh, connectivity. Uh, I am in a Hampton Inn and Oklahoma. So the internet is spotty. So the fact that you can hear me, I am grateful for that. I'm grateful too. That's great. That's awesome. Can you go ahead and read us that beautiful clarity statement? Sure can. Here it goes. Welcome to 12 Questions Podcast. We believe that growth and recovery isn't just for clean and sober people. Our mission is to share our experiences with guests who do the same. We are not affiliated with AA, NA, or any other 12-step organization. 12 Questions has absolutely no opinion on the use of drugs or alcohol by anyone. We're simply two people that happen to be in recovery that want to give hope to anyone struggling. Although some of our guests may be clean and sober, some of them are not or choose not to divulge. The purpose of the podcast is to learn more about ourselves and others. We really hope that you can learn something about yourselves by listening. Yay! Oh my gosh. I am so excited for this guest. I've tried to, we, we've had text exchanges about booking. And finally I ran into her and I was like, we're, we're scheduling this. We're doing this. And then I thought I sent an email and I spelled her name wrong because I'm a genius. Um, so I'm very, I'm very, very excited uh, to, to have our guest today. Who are we speaking with? Hi, my name is Julie Weidman. Yeah. Julie yes. Weidman. So uh, another 805 baby. I love it. Yes. Out here yes. in the in the central coast of California doing or or at least with a uh, with a show out there. I know you're out on the west side and I love that like you 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 and I share a thing of like doing comedy, having some years, having this life and I'm just so I'm so stoked to talk to you today. Ah, oh, likewise. Likewise. Thanks for having me on. It's great to uh be here hanging with you guys. Yes. I mean, how are you holding up right now? I know the world is opening. I saw you on a show. We were in a we were in a show <laughs> in a theater space and just like enjoying yeah. ourselves. Yeah, it's great. It's a good combination of like being excited to to be back out and see people and but also a, a tremendous amount of like anxiety about kind of being reintroduced to the world. Sure. You know, and yeah. uh it's like you you can't act like I was talking with Omar about that. You can't act like nothing's happened, but at the same time, you don't want to keep talking about it. So it's this weird, it feels like this weird kind of no man's land. It's like the, it's like the first month after a breakup, you talk about it all the time. Month two. Okay. should be a little less month three. <laughs> your friends are like, how long are we going to talk about this? Month? <laughs> yeah. 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 They're yeah. Like, enough. Enough. Like oh, we got to move on. Yeah, comedically, uh, I, I I boop it on the nose up top real quick. I go boop. We were doing that, and then into the into the regular scheduled programming, because anytime I go too long into like like the pandemic jokes or what ha- like people are just like bullet to my brain. That's all I've been hearing about. Talk sure. about your poop, please. Sure, yeah, yeah. sure, sure. Um, well, let's just get into this. Julie, how do you experience surrender? Uh, You you know, I think for me, it feels like there's a really clear division. Like surrender to me is easy. Like it's an ease. It's a, it's not any type of struggle. And then that just usually means I've taken myself out of being in control. (laughs) Mm-hmm. of a situation or a thing I've just surrendered that I'm not uh, running the show and it, but it's just, it's an ease like throughout my whole body. It's night and day between when I'm in surrender and when I'm in like self-will and mm-hmm. struggle, things are harder because you can be in surrender and anything can happen. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, that's fine. Oh, my, we got in a car accident. Okay. <laughs> it's a car. 
like the car, you know what I mean? And if everybody's alive and, you know, we'll, it's, it's just a, it's a, uh, so that's kind of how I experience it. It's usually when I just turn over myself, will. Right. And I right. take myself out of trying to control whatever I believe like the circumstances should be and Hell are yeah. not. <laughs> Hell yeah. You were- I just had, I just had imagery thought about surrender where it's like, it says in some of the literature to wear life like a loose garment. And some, sometimes I'll wear life like a wetsuit, <laughs> not a loose garment. I mean, I wear, I wear like a Spanx from like here to like <laughs> my ankles. I almost said that, but it is so much in the program literature, but I almost said, yeah, surrender is, does feel like a nice, like loose fitting linen outfit where you're just mm-hmm. like comfortable. Mm-hmm. I remember, uh, my, my, the, the man's in my life one time, uh, we were going, it was Christmas Eve and we, we were going to go to his parents' house. We walked out to his car and someone had stolen his battery out of his car. And he looked at me and he said, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my life. (laughs) And I just said, this is not even the worst thing that's ever happened to me in today. So you have triple a call that triple a you got call your insurance company. We'll take my car. Let's keep it fucking pushing. And that's kind of my attitude is just like, I think about it with traffic a lot. I don't really get road rage. I don't, I get on like, I'm like, we're never, we're never going to get well, because I'm usually the one causing it, like, honestly, but like, <laughs> uh, I don't I, I don't get road rage because it's like, well, we're all going to get there. We're all going to get there, you know, and what's the point of me wasting all my energy? I need my energy for the destination, not for this moment. You know what I mean? Like, I got to yeah. save it, you know, so I love that. That's Julie. What? Because we've talked a little bit about we talked a little bit about the things. What's been your most insane moment, either in or out of recovery? Uh, I've definitely had some in, um, but I was thinking of this. This crossed my mind the other day, and it's definitely not the most insane. But I was trying to use it for inspiration. Um, When I lived in New York City, things were just off the rails. I mean, and I remember being with a friend and we'd met some people and then they took us back to their house. And while they were there, they got kicked out of their house. So they had suitcases. And then we lost somebody up on the roof. And I remember I was on the street for hours asking people to give me, I'm just like, give me a foot up. I'm going to scale the building and get them. And they were like, what are you talking? Nobody would do it. And I, I was thinking about, I was trying to use that as inspiration the other day of like, be that girl that would freaking scale the building. Like you have that in you. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? You are like, don't sell yourself short. Um, although, you know, you were uh, under, but that I just remember it being just, I mean, that wasn't even the most insane, uh, like leaving New York City the night before 9-11 after like a three-day bender. Woo. Yeah, it was, uh, but just. Yeah, I th- I don't know why that one stuck. I'm like, because I would have climbed that. Bit. If someone would have helped me get up there, I would have tried to get up that building. Yeah, yeah. I, I and, have and a very I, similar. Yeah, and I, he was sleeping. He had passed out. I thought he was trapped. I'm like, he's trapped. He's like, no, he's passed out. <laughs> I I used to love. I did most of my burning it down in the city of Chicago, and uh, I used to love climbing to the highest point of things. So we'd be drinking on a roof uh, in West Chicago and there would be like an abandoned water tower on top of the building. So not only are we 20 stories up on the building, but then you could go another five stories up in this abandoned water tower. And I would just be drunk and I'd be like, I want to climb up to the highest point and look out over the city. And everybody's like, you're fucking crazy. What are you doing? I'm like, I got to get up there beer bottle in my back pocket and I would get up there and I'd sit for a while and I climb back down. Nothing. You couldn't pay me to climb something like that today. Like I just like, I'm not afraid of heights, but I'm not like seeking them out anymore. Oh, there are a lot of ideas, a lot of bad ideas that had to, you know, be seen to fruition. Like just a lot of. See, I was an overly caught. My insanity kept me on the couch. My insanity was like, never leave this couch. I, I would be like, you know what you're going to do? You're going to sit on this couch. And you're going to talk about all the amazing things you're going to do and never do them. And so my my thing is like, I am uh, in some ways way more wild 
as a uh, as a woman in recovery, I'll just do shit that scares me because it scares me. And I have to like pull it back and be like, well, don't swing in the other direction, Miss Insanity <laughs> Bot. That's crazy. It's crazy. But it's all about decision making. You know, it's all about like how we make decisions, whether it is, you know, what, fuck it, I'm climbing up that wall or, you know, big decisions where we have to measure it. Like, how do you make decisions in your life today? Uh I'm a pretty indecisive person in general. I don't know if it's um, part of my upbringing, like not trusting your own judgment or opinions yeah. on things. So I, I, I've, I've been proud in the, uh, I'd say probably in the last five, 10 years, I've been making uh, more decisions on my own. Uh, however, I really avoid making any decisions when I'm angry. Like I do get that, you know, like, Oh, forget it. I'll have nothing to do with, I'm quitting that or I'll have nothing to do with this person. Like a flip. Those are mm. usually the times where I don't make a decision and defer to somebody and kind of run it by um, a lot of the bigger ones I do anyway, no matter what my emotional kind of temperature is, I will still run it by a couple people and see, um, kind of their thoughts on, on it. But, um, mm -hmm. I've been proud to make a few more and be like, okay, well, you know, it may not be the best decision, but it's the decision you've made. Yeah. You know, and you'll work with that and we'll go from here. It's kind of a steam building for me. Yeah. Well, and it's, and it's that I, I realized like for me, the inability to make decisions was um, rooted in a lack of faith in both me and my higher power. You know, it would just be like, well, I'm just, a, and it did come from my, my upbringing very much. It was like, nope, in order for this insane life to make any sense, we have to tell you that your, your sense of perception is completely fucking wrong. And we have to convince you of that. Otherwise some CPS and the cops are going to roll up in here. So this is how we're going to convince you. And your brain does that because you want to normalize the, the, the hyper reality of, of addiction of, you know, of, of, uh, a dysfunctional family of abuse. Like we want to rationalize that. So we're not in the grief and despair of our situation in real time. We can't survive it. If we're just like, ah, like in real time. Right. And you to learn to, and you learn to disconnect what you're seeing. Like, you're like, this doesn't seem quite right. But mm -hmm. you're like, but you're told it's okay. So you're like, okay, well, I guess I'll just have to go with that. And then you start, so you, there then becomes a distrust of yourself. Like I couldn't really know. How would I really know what's going on? And you know, in comedy, we do that a lot too. There will be some sort of shitty ass business practice and somebody will be, you know, and they'll be like, no, this is normal. And then you talk to like somebody or you grow, you get better. And then you realize what normal is. And you're like, Oh, I didn't have to do that shit asking to talk to that way. Oh my God. That's crazy. So yeah, it's that, it's that um internal unconscious gaslighting. I know that gaslighting is a term like is a uh it denotes intent, but I think sometimes it's like we're just intending to survive and we're intending to to be okay, you know, and and that's where that's where a lot of other stuff comes from. So I love. I love that. I love that. I'm glad, I'm glad you're out here making these decisions. What's, what's the most, what's the most interesting thing you've learned about yourself so far? Oh, I would think that I had this whole farce narrative, false narrative that I was, um, easygoing. Mm -hmm. I think I realized that I realized that what wasn't true. I thought I'm like, I'm just easygoing. Like, I'm just like, and I remember huh. talking with a sponsor, uh, I was running this meeting and I was like, oh, these idiots, and, you know, people take these commitments and they don't show up and then no, we don't have coffee. Like, and, and, uh, and I was like, I, I'm just, I used to be such an easygoing person. She's like, oh, really? Really? You were? You sure you weren't just really high? Like, it's like, oh my God, I'm not easy. I was just disconnected. I really do care about uh, uh, actually the opposite. I might be more controlling than. I had ever uh, imagined. So that was a rude awakening. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. Someone told me early on uh, as far as like, because once you get like devoted to whatever 12 step or whatever recovery path that you get, then you're like, why doesn't everybody else do it? Like I do it. 
and someone early on is like, you know what? 90% of the work that's done in this fellowship is done by 10% of the people. Mm-hmm. So you could, you could either be part of that 10% and complain about it or just accept that this is just the way it is around here. And it all still happens. Like whether this gets X, Y, or Z, it all still goes, whether there's a, a cake or not a cake or whatever, you know what I mean? That's where, I, yeah, it's like that surrender kicks in where you're like, it's all going to still keep going, whether I freak myself out or not. Like, I mean, remember the remember the beginning of the pandemic when uh, we all got on the Zoom meetings, and then there started being Zoom bombers. Remember Zoom bombers? I hope that's not forgotten about. Where our our info got spread so fast and so quickly, which was a beautiful thing, but it got into the hands of mega trolls, and people were just like smoking <laughs> bongs in the middle of a twelve step meeting, or or yelling racial slurs during someone's share. And, and everybody was just Four. so upset. And I get it because it's a much more personal space because you're in your home. So like you feel like you're getting invaded in your homes. But I, I yes, it was terrible. But I always remember like I've seen a homeless dude walk into a meeting with a butcher's knife. You know, like I, I, I've seen a newcomer with 60 days proposed to his girlfriend <laughs> in 30 days during any AA related announcements. You know? <laughs> Good idea. Good idea. Really. That's Someone's a, making decisions. Exactly. They said change everything. <laughs> and I thought change my tax, my tax situation. Uh, <laughs> let's make this official, man. There's because there is a lot of decisions. There's a reason why people tell you not to make certain decisions in your first year, right? Like big, yeah. big decisions, like moving out of state, getting married, you know, like getting a a partner none of us ever listen to that but like it is great that we can all look back on it and be like man come a long way with my decision making this is yeah yeah this is bonkers um (laughs) (laughs) one time dave man i was i was setting up a meeting i was secretary of and julie you reminded me in my first year when i was the secretary of a meeting a step in tradition study and i was a tyrant tyrant (laughs) i was a nightmare person. Uh, and I, I had to make amends to several people in my life about that. And now they hear me share about it when I'm talking about service. I was like, yeah, it was really tyrannical. And they would just start laughing. They were like, girl, you were just trying to do recovery. You always trying to get an A plus and being a secretary or something. It was crazy. And, um, and one time I was secretarying out here in the, in the Valley. And you know, it's so funny where there's like, you know, people will, you have those moments where you're just like, you just detach and show up. I don't know how to explain it, but this, um, this homeless woman came in and it was pouring, pouring rain. And she asked if she could sit down. And I was like, sure. Uh, unhoused, pardon me, unhoused person. She came in and, and I was like, I was like, yeah, come on in and, you know, have a cup of coffee, have some cake, you know, like I, I know what you're here for. Hopefully you hear the message, you know, and, um, and it, it was raining and her clothes were soaked and her pants fell down, completely fell down. She's not wearing any chonies to fall down. And because of the program, it wasn't even a, and she's looking at me. She's like, ah, ah, ah. and I said, Hey, you need help? She was like, I do. And I just walked over and I just picked up those pants and we got them pants back on her body. <laughs> and it was just one of those moments of like, where service can, you never know where service is going to take you. You never know when you're going to have to help somebody put their pants back on. <laughs> you know, but that we just do it, you know, and you never know. Like I just, I would, yeah, I would get so upset when they'd be like, people can't come in unless they, I'm like, you never know if that maybe it take yeah. her a year to keep showing up for yeah. a, a slice of cake. So yeah. what if, if after two years, she, one day she goes, Hey, maybe I'm going to stop. Great. That's yeah. what we're here for. Like that. And that's thank it. God you, someone like you is there. I mean, that sounds she didn't, she didn't mean it, you know, and it was just the two of us. And I was just like, it's okay. I get it. I get it. You know what I mean? Like, and, and the other part of it is, it's like, yeah, we don't know what person's going to get it or whatever. It's like, my whole thing, as long as you're not a, a danger to a person or the facility, come on in. You know what I mean? Like, come on in. We'll figure it out. Go well, ahead. That's usually yeah, that's usually what it, the rule. It's like as long as you're not threatening anybody, yeah. you have a spot here. Yeah. Uh, my favorite story to tell is there was a gentleman 
back where I got sober in central Illinois, used to come to eight o'clock meetings. Midway through the meeting, he would get up and go to the bathroom and come sit back down. And what he was doing, uh, because the people with the service commitment of, of the um, of the uh, um, cleaning of the bathrooms, trash had found a half a pint of whiskey on top of the trash every time that that dude was in the meeting. So he'd get up, slam a half pint, come sit back down. And he never bothered nobody. And he did that for like a couple of years. And then eventually he got like 10, 15 years. So it's like, you never know. Like if that, per I mean, that's the last place I'd want to drink, to be honest. Yeah. You know. Oh, an Alano Club bathroom. Ugh. <laughs> Bar. But, 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 but like, but, but, but the reality is, is that was enough willingness. Like I'm willing to at least be in the room where the solution is. I still need to put booze in me. And eventually he got tired of doing that. Like I, I love that story because it's like, people are like, Oh, that person's nodding out in a meeting or what I'm like. So better, so? better them in here than on a subway, you know, better, better them in here where there is at least people that are supposed to be loving and tolerant. And right. I'm not saying any 12-step room in the country is the maximum love and tolerance uh, uh, ecosystem that ever existed, even though that's supposed to be the code of ethics. But I digress. It's just that is it is none of my business what other people are going through unless they ask, unless they make it my business. Yeah, it's unless it's like. It's the third tradition. The only requirement for will for for membership is willingness. That's whatever it. it takes, whatever it takes. If it takes you it, drinking a fifth in the bathroom, yeah, do it. Yeah, Bye. and that's we try to be that. You know, that's I I think our goal of the podcast is to be that is to be like, hey, if you want to hear some 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 good stuff in your ears cool and, and we don't push anybody one way or another we have people on here that have just kicked heroin and that's what their mo was uh you know we're here for that person that just can't take it anymore and wants to not have to sit in a church basement to hear a solution you know and and that takes honesty it takes honesty with yourself to even get to the point where you're going to even turn on a podcast like this where you're even going to investigate a place to sit and drink your booze. That's a 12 step room. Like that's honesty. And that's the core of, of, of a kind of program that I like to work. Uh, so I, I, the next question that, that leads right into is Julie, how honest are you with yourself and others around you? Oh, that's a tough one. I, I try to be honest. Um, I find the, with, with others and with myself, I usually find if I'm not being honest with myself, it's harder to be honest with other people. Mm. And I do find as I garner more time, it's more cunning the ways in which I am dishonest. Mm. And uh, it's kind of harder to uncover some of the things like, oh, okay, so you, you're not out and out lying, but this is a lie of omission. Yeah. And you're kind of like, I'm like, look over here, like a sparkly thing. And then like, you know, so um, I, I definitely try. I think part of uh, astrologically, like where I line up with like Sagittarius and Libra and Cap, I've got some Cap, uh, Capricorn in there too. I like honesty. I like fairness. Mm -hmm. I like, you know. Um, so I think, um, yeah, I, I'm sorry. What exactly was the question? How, how honest, honest are how you honest? with yourself and others? Yeah, I'd say medium to good. Medium well, <laughs> medium well or medium, medium rare, honesty? Medium well. Medium well. I like that. Or a medium. I was thinking, well. I was thinking medium spicy. You know what I mean? Medium spicy. Yeah. Not hot. So are not you, hot, are you like honest? Are you like, are you like extreme tea. heat? Yeah. She's uh, the top I'm not of ghost pepper. I'm not ghost pepper. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I think I, I'm, and I think I'm getting more and more and it's coming out in my stand up, like kind of mm. uncovering things and uh, things maybe that I was honest uh, about with myself being honest now with other people, but yeah, the trickiest one I think to catch myself on these days is the 
this the the trickery when I don't you know when I don't mm-hmm. want to be forthright about like not wanting to do something or not be perceived a certain way I'll try to yeah it's easy to do especially that came up for me hard in my first like couple years of stand up it was like that um that people pleasing and that omission like a lot of things really snuck up that I thought I was doing well with I thought I was doing good and it was not. And so, so, and when the repercussions happen, which most addicts, it's like, okay, so here we are with the, here we are with the outcome, you know, and I had to, I had to forensic files my ass back with my character defects to figure out like, where did this come from? You know? And a lot of it came from like where the behaviors cropped up was fear and anxiety. It's like how Julie today, how do you, how do you process? How do you experience fear and anxiety? Oh, I have a lot of anxiety. Um, it's been particularly stoked up the the past, uh, you know, what we've just gone through. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I, uh, I'm trying to get back in check. I was processing a lot of it with food. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I was medicating myself heavily with um, food. I was not able to sleep. And so I was trying to like eat myself to sleep, I think a lot of times. So um I think when I'm on the right track, it's, you know, exercise, uh, gratitude lists, um, staying, uh, it, and sometimes it just takes over. I did a show a couple weeks ago and it, it just hit and I was backstage with the host and I had a jacket on and I couldn't control myself. I kept taking off the jacket and putting it on. It was embarrassing. Like the woman was like, oh, fuck. I, I must have done it like eight times. I t- took it off. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'll put it back on. Took it off. Took it on. And what's happened is I put on weight in the pandemic. So the jacket didn't quite fit right. But that was an out. It was trying to soothe me by taking off. Taking, like, And um, I just went on stage and called myself out. I said, I've been standing backstage taking on and off this jacket like a fucking lunatic. Because... <laughs> Oh, I feel like baby Huey. I don't know if I should be wearing this. It doesn't fit me quite right. And, and then I was embarrassed because the host came out after me and was like making fun of me. And I was like, yeah, talking about my anxiety. I'm like, I already talked about it. like, it's yeah, I get it. It's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed of myself doing that back there with you, but I couldn't, it took over. Now, can I ask a question? Yes. And this is this is probably too much VH1 behind the music for those non-comics out there. <laughs> had you had you and be honest, like we're all we're all getting to know each other here. Had you had done well? Had you ended on laughs? Have you did you have a good set? Yes, I I felt like I had a good set. That motherfucker should have not said a goddamn exactly. word. He should have been like he should have been like give it. It was a woman. And, yeah. Motherfuckers can be women and I, yeah. I, I didn't denote I shouldn't have denoted genders. They were a motherfucker because that is the carnal <laughs> sin in my eyes of hosting is when I've just done well up there. If you say anything but keep it going and fucking wow, wasn't that a good set? And then here's your next person. You have just pissed on all the energy because you're insecure. Yeah, it was not. And that's what somebody uh, said, because I was like, why are they talking about that? Because there was no laughter, because people were like... Oh, we liked her, yeah, you asshole. They, yeah, we liked yeah. you. And yeah. she said, why are you talking shit about this person? She already caught to the fact that she's a lunatic. I mean, like, uh, if, if I tried to play it off, yeah. I so love- it'd be like me, it'd be getting up there like, man, I'm so fast. And then you, and I have a good yeah. set and you get on stage. You're like, Hey, how about <laughs> give it up for that fat piece of shit? It's like, no, they, they like me. Don't do that. Like you just yes. fuck the show. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's embarrassing. I'm trying to get it under control. It's just, um, sometimes it just kind of, you, you know, takes over. Yeah. I had it happen. I had it. Listen, I have 18 years. I work out every day. I am, you know, I, I didn't lose a pound, but I didn't gain a pound in, in, in quarantine. And thank you. Thank you. Um, (laughs) and, and my, my fitness goals are to be healthy and hopefully look like a Frank, like Frank Miller drew me, you know what I mean? Like I want to look like a comic book. (laughs) And so, so I went to this pool party 
And everybody on the way there, I was fussing because I have this stress zip from school and I'm fussing with my skin. And my boyfriend looks at me as a comedian's pool party and he looks over, he puts his hand on my on my, my knee. He said, babe, what are you worried about? I said, I'm just worried about my skin, my teeth. I should have whitened my teeth more this week. Like I'm really in my insecurity. Okay. Because I'm going to see some people that there's been beef with. I don't know what's going on. And he says, and he, he says, Anna, Everybody at this party has always been ugly. They're going to be ugly today and they're going to be ugly for the rest of their goddamn lives. We are some of the best looking people walking in there. And don't forget that. And I was like, you know, sometimes I forget why I'm with you. But you know what? That was really sweet. That was really that was sweet. It was like dickish, but sweet. And I like that. And like. So it was that. And then throughout the party, my anxiety would come up and come down because I hadn't been around people for a while. It turned out everybody was so happy to see each other. It was like the beef had dissolved. Like we had, you know, everything was cool, but they kept saying like, damn, you look good. And I started to get, I started to get insecure about that. And I started to babble because what they were talking about is my goddamn titties grew eight sizes in 14. And I said, yeah, I, I really had a hard time finding a bathing suit top. And I just kept talking about my titties over and over and over again, like some sort of narcissist. And it didn't stop until I said, sorry, I'm being real insecure right now. That's why I keep babbling about that. And then it stopped. And so what you did is a brilliant comedic thing is we come in sometimes and we say, you know what, I'm real nervous or whatever. And then it feels like the audience is like, yeah, us too, <laughs> you know? So like, I love that you told that story. And Dave and I's response was, who's thems is this? Who's this bitch? <laughs> who's this bitch? Well, I'm a, I, I, name names. I'm going to beat her ass up. And my who's defects are going, my defects are going right now. It's like, why the fuck did I get invited to this pool party that I wouldn't be able to attend? Cause I'm in the middle of the country. <laughs> Like, screw her titties. Why why didn't Dave Yates get an invite? That's where my defects are taking me. You probably did because they they, they put on a Facebook thing and none of us check our Facebook. So then they had to like resend out the invite. Jail. Yeah, exactly. Jail. Probably already had an invite. I'll bring you next time. Still defected. Still defected. It was, I mean, but it's these moments where, um, it's these moments where, you know, even, even with a gang of time and a ton of therapy, I'm still going to have insecurity. I'm still going to have fear and anxiety. I'm still going to, because the way I, I became very self-centered. That's what that was, is I was like. And isn't it not, it seems almost in a way to mirror exactly um, the, I'm a piece of shit or I'm the greatest. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? Like where you're like, oh God, I thought this looks terrible. Oh, why am I wearing this? Oh, and you look in the mirror, you're like, oh my God, how come nobody's like stopped me and just told yes. me like, you're a beast, please stay home. Like, <laughs> and you know what I mean? Like do the world a favor and like hide your face and your body. But, and then other times you're like, I'm all right. I'm okay. Like, uh, so it's, yeah, it seems to kind of like mirror that as well. And it's all but exactly it's what it's a, it's a self-centered fear that is really self-centered fear is the engine of all my character defects uh, most of the time there's two I, there's i'm i'm finishing up a seven step right now and there's really two reasons why i do anything one i'm a pleasure seeking missile and two i am uh it's self-centered fear it, it's like 90 percent of the time it's either fear or i'm an addict and my brain is just like give me more you know like those are the two things and figuring that out helped me identify like not just the character defects, because we can take our, the first time I did the steps, I used the process of six and seven as self-flagellation. I wasn't <laughs> using it from an honest perspective. Right. And yeah. so like now I can look honestly at my character defects and see which ones I'm still working on, which brings us to our next question. What character defects are you still working on today? Like what's cropping up? What's been hard to let go? Like, where are you out? Oh, with that? I think they're always there. I, yeah. I, I think the core, you know, my, my, my number one, my favorite my is, is self-righteous anger. Oh God. Oh, I love it. Like just a big anger, core. that dubious luxury oh, of normal oh. people. Nom, 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 nom. Mm-hmm. How dare they? Like what? Just, Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, and that's so wrong. And, you know, so that's when I, I have to keep in check and, um, what I've been dealing with lately and kind of uncovering more 
how insidious it is and, and how I thought it was kind of more innocuous is people pleasing. Yes. I'm really <laughs> tapping into like how manipulative and fucked up that is. And I think I'm doing like, I don't want people to be mad at me. I think I'm doing the right thing, but it's like, yeah. That is the steps working in your life. What is people pleasing, ladies and gentlemen? If you, they could say it, it is just manipulation. That's what I tell people. It is manipulation for the purpose of safety. And, and it is the one thing I'm, I'm always like, I told my sponsor this time, I said, where I was on a walk with her. So I was hot. I was pissed. And I'm, and I said to her, I said, this round, I got to deal with this people pleasing and codependency. I think every time I think it's lit every time I think, (laughs) I think I've licked it, but I'm like, it it comes back. Like it comes back like a fast and the furious movie. This shit comes back. There is. And, and, and to, and to be aware of it and to one thing I'm trying to practice with it is to thank it for all the things it's done to protect me in my life and to say, but I don't need you anymore. I have a life where my authentic self and the people in it love me and warts and all. I was swimming around that pool party. I finally just said, I'm acting real insecure. And they all just said, you're fine. We get it. And and, And the response to this always was, yeah, it's like we've all been trapped in our houses for a year and a half. We forgot how to be around people, you know, and like. I'm an extrovert. So being around a bunch of people gave me like cocaine energy. I was like, just like saying everything, (laughs) you know, so to kind of remember that, like my head tells me that if I do something wrong, if I hurt something, if I, that I have to always walk on eggshells to please the people around me. And it also is family system stuff. I think big people pleasers come from like fucked up ass families, but I could, I could talk this poor podcast. Every time people pleasing comes up, I lose my shit because that one is the, I would hear in meetings, people for years being like, I'm just too good to people. I'm just, I'm just too, you know, I guess some people pleasing because I just do too much for the people around me. And it's like, no ho, you do stuff. Nobody asks for with an expectation of return. And then you take it out on them when they don't give it to you, when you've never fucking said a word to them about your expectations. Well, and it's so unfair in relationship, like the intimate relationship. It's so unfair to the other person because they're not getting the real story. Like they're getting, you know, I mean, they're getting me doing something because I think of it like it's this whole, it's like a flow chart. Like, here's where we start. Like this, yes. rather than just like, just be honest with what's going on for you. Like, yeah. And if it upsets the other person, it upsets them. You can't control that. You like, really have no control. Mm-hmm. It's that, I think it all goes, they all go back to like the same core ones where I think I have some control and I can like make everybody not mad at me and happy and do the right thing and be a good girl, like bullshit stuff. Like all just. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Dave, we really went on a rant. You got anything to say on this one? (laughs) No, I love it. It's, 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 you got to think about it this way. What has, what else have we had this past 16 months, but self-righteous anger to fucking fuel our days? You know what I'm saying? Like the only, only spice of life has been fucking yelling at someone on the internet uh, that you'll never meet uh, about things you believe that they don't believe. uh, And they'll never change their minds because they don't think they're wrong in there's no room in the mind for, for the potential that it might be wrong. There's no fucking point in yelling. Uh, so it's, yeah, it is literally, it's, I, it's the dubious luxury of normal people. And I, I constantly have to remember that. And I don't like making amends. So my <laughs> self-righteous anger goes deep down in my stomach and it turns into little pockets of ulcers. Probably. I don't know. I don't have any ulcers, but it's gonna, if I, if I, don't, but, but that's where it goes because I don't want to, I don't want to, it doesn't come out anymore. Like it used to, because it's like, I don't like making amends to people, but like it, it likes to nestle itself deep in my guts uh, and turn into some form of uh, prostate cancer. I have no I, idea. <laughs> I've recently gotten into Twitter a little bit and I'm like, Oh my God, heard of this it. is like, heard of I have place. to resist the urge. Cause I was like, Oh my God, this is just like a warm jacuzzi for self-righteous. Like this is like, just never respond. <laughs> oh, I ticket. just, the ticket is to never respond. I, I made a post on the flight here uh, about just like, 
There's a family of six and four kids under eight. This is going to be a nightmare, you know, and I think, you know, and it's just ingest, you know, and they were turned out to be perfectly fine children. But the people of Twitter is like, oh, good. That could have been my family. Good to know that there's people out there judging us for just existing. And I was like, I, and I responded, and this guy's like, you know, uh, I'm like, man, we're just kidding, you know. Like, I, I, I hope you got it all out of your system. And the person's <laughs> this is like, jokes, wool. This is well. Jokes. Then that person goes, oh, you can't take a jokes like in quotation marks, <gasps> like uh, Republicans, racists, and Dave Yates. I'm like, yeah, me making fun of people having kids and having weak pullout games is the same as racism. Yeah, welcome to responding <laughs> to people on Twitter. Uh, that you know, that's. Yeah, that yeah, that's that's uh not responding is 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 the best I can do. I tend to block pretty p- people pretty quickly on Twitter, but I did have one time where somebody called my homegirl fat. Like say like she said something. He responded to my tweet and then she was like, "Hey man, that was rude." And then he came after her. And normally I would just block this motherfucker, but I decided I was like you did not ask a professional. <laughs> you did not start. You showed up to this knife fight with a banana, motherfucker. I'm going to rip you up. And I just tore into him. And then my friend, who's a professor, a professional like animator for Disney, he got onto him and then his fans got on. <laughs> and, and then by the end of it, we're ch- we were going back and forth. And somehow by the end of it, he like was like, you know what? You're right. And he still follows me. And occasionally he'll put something shitty on my Twitter. And I'll say to him, I'll go, you know what? You are my favorite. I'll say, you're my favorite little right wing Internet troll. And he's like, thank you. <laughs> and that's it. I just respond to him with kindness. And he's like a fan now. It's weird. I don't know how I did it. But where that's I get in amazing. trouble, where I get in trouble on Twitter is I'm a subtweeting ass bitch. I will. Oh, t- I'll tweet some bail shit. D- Dave's called me out. He's like, girl, you got to stop tweeting about your man. And I'm like, I'm, I didn't say his name. <laughs> and, you know, like, and, and again, at this party, people were like, are you and Stuart t- still together? We couldn't tell from your yeah. social media. <laughs> that, I think, I think they call that on the other platform, vague booking. Vague booking. Wow. I've, uh, yeah, I used to, I used to, I used to not vague book. I used to, I used to aggress book. I used to come in and be like, this motherfucker did this. And, um, so I've I've had to learn a lot with that. Twitter Twitter is definitely where you take your your um, inflamed sense of of self justice and self righteousness and and scream it into, into 140 like, characters. Yeah. And, or what I try and do now is I'm just like, oh look, a, a duck and a dog are friends. Like like that's what I mute <laughs> mute everybody mute the comics. Mute the celebrities. All I want is is possums every hour. Yes, a duck. Yeah, (laughs) otters. The your daily duck art. Art exactly. I want weird, fun things that bring me drag queens. But if they get too crazy, I mute their asses too. (laughs) I'll mute. Some people will be like, "Didn't you say my favorite social media thing that happens in real life?" Is a comical tell you. Uh, you'll say, how you doing? And they'll say, well, did you, haven't you seen my social media? And I'm like, <laughs> no, I muted you for your safety. You asshole. No, I'm asking you place to base. We're having a, we're having a conversation. If you would like my empathy, you need to reach out. <laughs> so not see my soul. I've never had anyone say so, that to me. That is weird. A bunch of times. Well, have you read my social media? No, I haven't read it. Well, why would I ask? Because if it is otherwise, wow. sometimes we'll say, I, hey, I saw on Facebook or I saw on Twitter, that you're going through a hard time and I just wanted to hold space for you. Yeah. You know, like, what's your experience right now? I try not to say how you doing or whatever. I'll just be like, I just want to check in with you. That's how I'll say it if I saw some shit on social media. So sometimes or I'll say, hey, I saw you're popping off on social media. I'm really proud of you. Congratulations. I celebrate you. That's it. Otherwise, most of y'all are muted. <laughs> yes. So I am. Got to get to that point of acceptance of people on the internet for exactly who and what they are in the given moment. And that comes with forgiveness. And that I was unable to do any of that for years because I could not forgive myself. And I had a very hard time forgiving others. Julie, what's your experience of forgiveness of yourself and others? absolutely 100 the the same. I think, you know, you're only able to kind of give out what you do sometimes. Maybe that's not a hard and fast rule, but I have a hard time forgiving myself for mistakes that I've made, especially a couple big ones. 
So uh, it's been hard for me to forgive other people. And I think the more I've had like done the work and esteemable acts and, and kind of the time and, and shown up for myself that I've been able to over time forgive myself, I've, that's kind of softened with other people. But because it kind of falls in with the self-righteous anger too, where it's just like, oh, they're so wrong. Like, I just love it. I love it how strong people are. Um, so I think it's just, uh, you know, and it's it, part of it's nice getting older. You just don't care as much about mm-hmm. holding on to things. You're like, who cares? I mean, I, I just always try and think that this is something you're going to remember in a year. Like, why are you wasting energy on this, giving yourself a hard time? about something i mean for years i gave myself just the hardest time about certain things that i felt i did support for 12 questions podcast is brought to you by manscaped who is the best men's below the waist grooming champions of the world manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer the lawnmower 4.0 you heard that right the 4.0 join over 2 million men worldwide who trust manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you 20 percent off and free worldwide shipping with the code 12 q pod that's one two q p o d at manscaped.com imagine having a sleek and well-designed optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0, and I'm blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and the details on the 4.0 are next level. I used other trimmers in the past, and I've nicked my balls plenty of times. And you all know the pain of nicking your balls. Ouch. Not to mention, afterwards, the sweat, the stinging. It's just not a good time. Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and incredible, comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. This upgraded trimmer includes a multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. It also gives you the ability to run the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 through 4. Did I mention wireless charging? The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery last longer. Men, if you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it wrong. No person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. It's time to get your own ball, hair, and body trimmer with Manscaped to make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice smooth boys. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code 12QPOD at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. I mean, self-forgiveness is where it starts for me in order to get to even considering making amends or apologizing to people. And that's, you know, because a lot of people get to like uh, those steps and they haven't forgiven themselves yet. And then they're going, you know, uh, gung ho with trying to make amends to people when they don't really fully forgive themselves for the things that they're making an amends for. You know, that's why I always tell people if you're working this step and if you're in a program of recovery, uh, you know, to you, I had to run my amends through like a sponsor before I just went and made them, you know. Uh, and that's the next question, Julie. What is your most surprising amends or apology that you've ever given or received? Um, it's kind of a, 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 you know, there were a lot of amends that were things that I did or, you, you know, um, this was an interesting one because it was to a very good friend of mine who, um, it was like at the core of it, it was just like my addiction had taken my availability for a relationship with this person. Mm. And it was heartbreaking to make this amends. When I met Mm. up with her, we just cried. I mean, I just was like, I'm so sorry. I I went over every single thing, but I was like, and we just cried. It was Mm -hmm. like, um, and, and I remember one of the last times I saw her was like, it was a birthday party and I was, uh, uh, on set producing a shoot for buckle and I got heat stroke 
And I was having a birthday party. So I went to the birthday party with heat stroke and to start drinking like a Red Bull and vodka. And she wanted to talk. And at one point she was crying. And I was just like, what? I don't, I had no capacity, nothing to um, give to that relation. It was just, it was a really, really sad. And once you hit that kind of point of no return with someone, it's just sad to revisit that and be like, God, it did not have to go this way. Mm -hmm. And I'm so sorry. Like it was, Mm -hmm. say it's a very, it's, the amends have been made, but it will always be like a little painful nugget of like, that's, I didn't do anything horrific, you know? I mean, yes, but not like I did steal and total her car right. or anything. I just was not there for her right. in any way, shape or form. Yeah. The, uh, the emotional abandonment is, it, it's, we, we underestimate how, um, m- abandonment from people places and things outside of our family of origin can feel depending on our level of trauma and recovery can feel so much like the same abandonment you know and like how um how awesome that that person was able to sit with that and that you saw that that was an amends that needed to be made Cause a lot of times people get into that cash register, honesty, that cash register crimes, you know what I mean? But they, they forget to see that it's those relationships that suffer the most. And give me the opportunity to like own, own it. Yeah. It's really special thing to give me the space to be like, yeah, I, I see it completely. And it was a dear friend of mine. Mm. I I love that. Well, you have a kick-ass program, Julie. Like you, you really, I, it's just, I, so I meet people and they'll be like, oh, me too. I'm in the cult too. And I'll be like, oh, <laughs> and, um, and, and sometimes it's like, I can see that they like, they work it, you know what I mean? And, and I think a lot of that has to do with the daily practice. Like what's your, your daily spiritual practice, your, your your day-to-day Julie keeping her head on her shoulders. It changes and uh, I need to be uh, reinvest myself in all the good things, you know, on a regular basis. Like at one point it was meditation. I'd like to get back to that, but I'd say currently it's a uh, walking. Yeah. Um, and nature, especially when I go for hikes kind of resets me completely. I've had an uh, injury, a pinched nerve. So I haven't been able to really exercise beyond mm walking. So that's my limitation, but I did like a hundred miles last month and I'm just trying to, if I just, uh, you know, uh, kind of go over gratitude while I'm walking often helps. And it usually comes up organically. It's not something I set out to do, but I'm like, Oh, this breeze feels great. Like, Oh, I'm so lucky that I can feel these things that I'm alive. That I can smell like wave at my neighbor whose garden is looking better today than it did. Yes. You know, like it all just kind of like unfolds, but I would say that's a big, for me, nature would be. I love that. That's awesome. Well, nature for me was my first conception of a higher power because I was like, all right, whether I'm here or not, this is still going to exist. So that's a higher power uh, sufficient enough for me in the beginning. Uh, Julie, what is your relationship with your higher power? If you have one, what does it look like? Yeah, that's weird and kind of complicated because I was raised Catholic, but I'm not a real big fan of like, I went to Catholic school. I'm not a real big fan of... uh, organized religion per se. So I've explored some other things. Um, So God is, I will say God and I'll joke, but I'm not sure what I think. So I think, yeah, for definitely early sobriety, it was nature. Um, And it still kind of is to ground me, I think Mm -hmm. would be like, especially when I'm really struggling and I'm like, there is no God. I'm like, look at an orange, like just take the skin off an orange. Like if that isn't some kind of God that put all the juice in those little membranes and then put the whole thing together in a bigger skin. And it's like, perfect. Uh, That would be it. Um, Sometimes it's other people, which just cannot be not good and good. Mm -hmm. Um, 
then this is my cat. But nature would be probably my most. Um, yeah. And I'll go back to a version of God. I don't know exactly what that is, but there is something there that I'm okay with. My my sponsor, um, she fought the concept of a higher power for many, many years in her recovery and, and sometimes goes back to fighting it, you know, and she, she always says that there's, she knows there's an existence of a higher power every time she sees a dog with their head out the window, <laughs> because that's pure joy. I shared a bunch on this podcast, but like when I'm driving along and, or I'm in my feels or I'm in my thoughts, I'm in my own way for the day. And then I see a bunch of dogs with their head out the window, which you can see all the time in LA. It just I'm just like, oh, yeah, I live in a plane and an existence in a universe where dogs and cars are in the same place and they just love it. And that just to me, I'm like, it's the orange. It's the how did this orange get here? This is crazy. The perfect travel food. Get out of here. You know, like it's 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 amazing. We did it. Oh, my gosh, Julie, we did it. This is the end of the questions. We did it. We have one more question. One more. Yes. One. Are you ready? This is, yes. Steady. Is the bonus yourself. round? This is the bonus round? Yes. This is number 12. This is the, <laughs> number 12. The, 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 the name of the podcast, uh, we've reached it. Yes. <laughs> what is your one thing you would say to somebody just like you in the world? Like one piece of what, what's the, you know, we can only keep what we have by giving away. What's your give it away in this moment? I'd say don't be afraid to ask for help. Yeah. Don't be afraid. You don't have to pretend you know what's going on. (laughs) I spent so much time pretending I knew that you don't have, like, people love to help. Let them help you. Ask. It's okay. You're not weak. You're not wrong. You're not bad. Like, Yeah. It's okay to not know something. That's, I've had more, I've had more, I, I was that way for a really long time. So I have, I have empathy with it, but there is, there is a personality type that'll not know something and then get mad or get, or just be like, yeah, I'd, I know you're tight. And it's like, okay, okay. It's, you know, it's the expectation of and perfectionism around believing that they have to appear intelligent and worldly and mature and the thing about it is everyone has something they don't know how to do. Everyone. I had this fr- I had a friend that she was actually my Eskimo. She used to call me all the time and ask me things. Yeah. And I would, at one time I asked her like, how do you do that? How do you just, she goes, well, people like to help. They do. And I was just like, wow. It just, I feel so vulnerable just calling somebody up and being like, I don't know how to do this. And I see that you do. Could you help me? I think that would be annoying, but it's great no. that. Yeah. And it and can it, save your life. It can do. That's where it's like, it can literally save your life. If you ask people. For right. Help. Oh, Julie, you're the best. Where can people find you, your comedy, your Twitter? If they're only tweeting you nice things, you know, like where oh, can people find only, you? Um, just tell me my jacket that I took on and off seven times looks okay. Looks uh, great. You look great. <laughs> I just saw you and you looked fabulous. So oh, again, whatever so that sweet. host was about, fuck them, they're trash. <laughs> they don't know how to host. Sorry, but they don't. Uh, uh, I'm at Julie Weidman, uh, J-U-L-I-E-W-E-I-D-M-A-N-N on all the socials. Um, if you want to follow me, great. Uh, and um starting back up my monthly show. So that'll be fun in Santa Barbara and it's there. So yeah. Awesome. And Dave, where can people find you and all your things? Find me on all the things at Yates comedy, Y A T E S comedy. That's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. You can see a bunch of comedy clips flying out in those social media avenues. I'm doing a hundred clips in a hundred days. So if you want to see me burn a hundred clips of material on the internet, you can watch them. Follow me at Yates comedy. And if you want to buy hot sauce for me, I make a delicious hot sauce called ha ha hot sauce. You can go to ha ha hot sauce.com. Yay. And you can find me at Anna V is fun on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me at Anna for show date stuff. 
whatever's going on, information about this podcast. You can uh, hit this podcast up on 12Q Pod Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Gmail. And how we end this podcast, Julie, every time is um, if nobody's told you this today, Julie, we love you. Oh, I love you guys. Thanks for having me. Love you, Julie. Thank you. Love you. And David, nobody's told you this today. We love you. I've heard of this stuff. Wow. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. And if you're listening and nobody's told you this today, we love you. Yay. Love you, everybody. Thanks for listening. Peace.